It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London. Today with Lou Newton and James Hansen. On today's episode, why a top US military leader is raising concerns about the size of Britain's armed forces. Recently on The World in 10, we've looked at the probability of the West going to war, maybe with Russia, maybe in the Middle East. There are multiple very real threats. But now the US have made a rather controversial statement about the British military. Carlos del Toro, who's the US Navy secretary, has said that Britain needs to reassess the size of its armed forces because of the growing threats of war. He said the British Army had made sacrifices and that investments in the Royal Navy are significantly important. For one of America's most senior defence officials to make such a comment like that and so publicly is rare. George Grills covers defence for The Times and told us why the US needs such a strong ally in Britain. You don't get these warnings too often and they tend to mostly be behind closed doors. So there was a meeting about a year and a half ago where concerns were raised about the size of the British Army, which is shrinking to um, 73,000 troops, which is a basically the smallest size since the Napoleonic era. You'd have to go back about 200 years to sort of get to an army that size. So the UK is the second largest spender on defence within NATO. You know, all other countries are dwarfed by the US and its spending. The particular contribution that the UK makes is to do with its navy. And so it's important for the US to have another country that can back it up, basically. We see what's been happening in the Red Sea and prior to that, what was happening in Israel. The US immediately deployed massive resources and the UK is able to offer a smaller number of assets. But the fact that it is also taking part in those operations, for example, shooting down missiles and drones that the Houthis are firing at commercial vessels in in the Red Sea, allows the US to present it internationally as, you know, a coalition of countries, as not just being the US as the world policeman coming into uh, someone else's backyard and telling them how to behave. George also warned that if Trump wins the presidential election, there's likely to be more criticism of the military power of US allies. The possibility of a Trump presidency is the elephant in the room as far as European defence is concerned. During his first presidency, he made it clear that he would like to see European countries spend more on defence. And he was proved right. You know, the the fact that belatedly Germany, Poland even more so, these countries are ramping up their defence spending now because of what happened um, subsequently when, when Russia invaded Ukraine. So... No doubt he'll be making that same point once again if he is elected, but certainly it is the question that's hanging over European defence, though I would say more uh, pressingly would be to what extent the US continues to fund and support Ukraine if Trump is elected president. And The Times' defence editor, Larissa Brown, has written more about this, which you can read now on The Times' website. 
Just to warn you that you might find what you're about to hear distressing. There's no doubt that what I saw tonight was far worse than anything I could have imagined. To see him convulsing back and forth, to see his spit and other things that were coming out of his mouth hit the mask, it just was horrifying. Anybody who saw this cannot believe that this was legally done. That's the voice of the Reverend Jeff Hood, who was in the room when convicted murderer Kenneth Eugene Smith became the first person in the world to be executed by nitrogen gas. It happened in the US state of Alabama, where local officials say the method is effective and humane. But that claim is now being disputed by many of those who witnessed the execution, including Reverend Hood, Kenneth Smith's spiritual advisor. Speaking to Times Radio, the Reverend described what he saw. It was absolutely horrific. I mean, you know, it was perhaps upwards of 10 minutes of convulsing and him launching his head back and forth, um, struggling to, to breathe. Um, It was absolutely torture and it was every bit um, a violation of the Eighth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution uh, and that it was cruel and unusual punishment. Uh, There's no doubt that lethal injection would have been much more humane than what I saw tonight. No doubt. Well, Kenny Smith murdered 45-year-old Elizabeth Sennett in a contract killing in 1988. But the nature of his execution is reviving the debate about the use of the death penalty in America. Livy Haydock is an investigative journalist who studied how the US executes prisoners. Since 2010, Aspira, the main manufacturer of one of the key drugs used in lethal injection, pulled out and they stopped manufacturing the drug. So ever since about 2010, executions are changing. Things are going wrong. And in fact, 2022 was supposedly the year of the botched execution because so many went wrong. Kenneth Eugene Smith himself, they had attempted an execution on him in 2022, which was the third consecutive execution in Alabama where it had to be stopped because of the problem inserting IVs. And then again, you go to nitrogen hypoxia. You can't test it because it's execution. And that method is actually something Kenneth Smith chose over going through that process of the lethal injection again. They're trying out new methods as 50% of Americans still want the death penalty, although the executions are declining. Just before we started recording, the International Court of Justice ruled that Israel must take all measures to prevent acts of genocide in Gaza, but it stopped short of ordering an immediate ceasefire. By 15 votes to two, the state of Israel shall, in accordance with its obligations under the Convention on the Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide in relation to the Palestinians in Gaza, take all measures within its power to prevent the commission of all acts within the scope of Article 2 of the Convention. That's Judge Joan Donoghue delivering an interim ruling in South Africa's genocide case against Israel. A verdict on the allegation of genocide is not expected for years, and Israel calls it baseless. But how does an international court even decide on cases such as this? What evidence does it consider? Richard Spencer is a correspondent for The Times who's covered the Middle East. He says one piece of evidence cited in the case were comments from leading Israeli politicians. It read out some of the speeches given by Israeli officials, for example, the president, 
where they've made extreme comments about collective punishment of the Palestinians, for example, or very extreme comments about what they intended to do to Gaza. Israel has said that those are rhetorical, not real incitements. They say they're investigating some other claims of incitement. The judges didn't specifically say these cases must be prosecuted as incitement, but they did issue this warning saying, you know, don't do it, basically. The Times' correspondent, Richard Spencer. When Bill Belichick announced his departure from the New England Patriots earlier this month, it was a massive story in the NFL. Well, today, something similar happened in soccer. Jurgen Klopp, the hugely successful manager of Liverpool, announced he's standing down at the end of the season. I said it on the first day, as a, as, a normal, as a normal guy, I am still a normal guy, I just don't live a normal life for too long now. And I don't want to wait until I'm too old for having a normal life um, and I, I need at least to give it a try. The Germans been in charge of Liverpool since 2015 and enjoyed enormous success including ending the club's 30-year wait for the Premier League title in 2020. It's one of the unlikeliest pairings in Hollywood's recent history. Jennifer Lopez is bringing children's TV favourite Bob the Builder to the big screen. Yes, you did hear that right. The singer and actress is producing a movie adaptation of the British animated construction worker. The toy maker Mattel, which owns the brand, is seeking to capitalise on the box office success of Barbie by putting more of its favourite mascot into cinemas. J-Lo's adaptation will follow Bob, whose catchphrase is, Lou, what is it? Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Correct. <laughs> on his way to Puerto Rico for a big construction job, according to producers. And J-Lo, of course, is of Puerto Rican descent herself. I just can't imagine it. J-Lo, Bob the Builder, I don't know. Anyway, that's all we have time for. Thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. We'll see you tomorrow. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.